Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to a new Redefining Technology podcast. Standing on two feet, having dexterous hands, developing a language that allows us to communicate, and the ability to understand abstract concepts. These are all part of the equation of humanity. Still, it is the capacity to create tools and advance the technology that has allowed us to thrive on this planet and maybe on others. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. Marco. Sean. Are you in or out? I'm in. On a, I'm in. I'm all in. An, in, an inpatient. <laughs> an outpatient. <laughs> Can you be both? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know. The reason I bring that up is I have no idea what's involved with biohacking. It isn't. Is it an outpatient thing or an inpatient thing? Well, that, that's I, my I joke know. I was going to do, Sean, is the <laughs> fact that when you have a, a device on your body, even if you're out, you're still in. Right? Well, <laughs> right? Pacemakers. That's, you're connected. So. That's probably an inpatient uh, thing. Um, I remember at, at DEF CON a few years back, uh, stuff being dropped into people <laughs> right there in the, in the uh, hallway. Not maybe not the hallways, but certainly the conference rooms. Yeah. It was a good year. <laughs> good memory good memory line <laughs> good memories great memories yeah no you're, you're already hearing a voice and this is going to be a great conversation but let me let me maybe frame it a little bit it's uh we're going to talk about biohacking and we're going to see on the side of the people that, that do put implant in their body and extend their their humanity and we'll, we'll talk about that as well and what how that can become a, a threat vector to actually do some fun, not so fun stuff. And uh, we're going to discuss about this from a, a redefining technology perspective, Sean, where, as we say in, in, the, in the introduction for the channel, creating tools, it's part of what make us humans. And one thing, it was a tool when uh, it was a hammer and a nail. And uh, now we're talking tools that can really augment our capacity. And that could be a lot of fun and it could be a lot of risk. So that's what we're going to talk about today, Sean. And I like these extended humanity. And I'm, I immediately think extended reality or augmented reality or mixed reality. And those are all virtual type thing. This is real. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is real. This is stuff going inside. And uh, rather than boring our audience with our voices, Marco, let's bring the cool voice in. 
uh, Len, no, thanks for, uh, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate the opportunity to be here guys. Um, yeah, before we dig in, maybe a little background on, uh, what you're up to and, uh, who you are. You don't have to go all the way back to uh, when you were hatched like me, but, uh, mm. but a few points that helped. No, I wasn't hatched. Uh, <laughs> I don't think, I, I don't think I was hatched. I think I may have been, you know, assembled, but you know, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, my name is Len No. I'm a white hat hacker, former black hat. Uh, spent most of my youth and early adulthood as a black hat and running the streets of uh, west side of Detroit. Um, after uh, 9-11, kind of decided the idea of state-funded long-term vacations were just not my idea of fun. So I kind of had to find a, a, a profitable, way, profitable way to you know, support myself and my family. And well, breaking into computers was about the only thing I was really ever good at. So I decided to, you know, change the color of my hat. And I've been, you know, uh, acting as a, well, not acting. I've been, I've been actively working as a white hat now for about six, seven years, focusing on uh, the attacker's perspective. Uh, currently employed with CyberArk as part of our global enablement team. I am also, as you alluded to, probably one of the most more well-known biohackers in the world from a technology perspective. Currently have uh, six different implants, all from the wrist down in both my left and right hands that I've implanted for the sole purposes of uh, using them as an attack vector. That was... Uh, Lucky enough to get the opportunity to debut three new attack vectors back la uh, last February at RSA. And I've been out here on the road talking about the transhumanism movement and just trying to educate IT people and professionals in general to the fact that these attack vectors are real. You know, and, you know, we talk about cybersecurity as if we have all of the answers. And yet everybody's always amazed when a new zero day comes out. You know, I am the point where the human identity has now been fused with technical capabilities. And as such, this has been very eye opening for a lot of people. So, again, I just wanted to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to come on here and, and kind of spread the message. This is an incredible opportunity for, for us ourselves as people that know us, our audience. They know that we, we like to talk about security, cybersecurity and tech, but we also get, especially me, I love that, to get very philosophical on things. And I think that talking about the future of, you know, the human race and, and what transhumanism may mean, it's, uh, I, I'm, all, I'm all excited <laughs> right now. So yeah, I'm I definitely want to talk about that. And, and I think that I'm going to let Sean then ask you the question on how the implant that you have in your hands are going to become a threat vector. I, I think he's going to have fun with that. What I would love to, to start with is a definition of transhumanism. So what 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 what, sure. what is how how can you help somebody that never even probably heard that word to understand what it sure. is? Sure, uh, transhumanism. The transhuman movement and the term transhuman was actually coined by a gentleman by the name of Julian Huxley back in 1957. Uh, basically, the movement is individuals who are looking to extend the capabilities of the human body beyond what we were born into. 
So by that definition, anybody that has like a cardiac pacemaker or, you know, an implanted uh, stem pain management tool, they're, they're transhuman. The issue and the term really didn't start getting into more of the, the modern culture with, up until I would say within the last three to three to seven years. You know, prior to commercially grade commercial grade implants being available, this was a very, very grassroots movement. People were using two-part epoxies to try and encapsulate technology that could be implanted inside the body. There was a lot of rejection. You know, the the health and safety measures that were being done were really not there. And, you know, there was a lot of people that wound up with heavy metal poisoning and lead poisoning due to the headers off of circuitry, you know. But the movement itself is basically not feeling constrained to the fact that this is my body. I, this is all I can do. And, you know, we've seen it in TV and science fiction movies, probably since, you know, God, the sixties, the you know, you got the, the cybernetic kind of people, you know, but, and every time we look at movies like the Terminator or, you know, any type of cybernetic organism, you know, it's always very big and mechanical and shiny and, you know, the truth is there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people already walking the streets with technology beneath their skin. You know, the stigma that comes with it is where a lot of the problems come in, you know. Well, Len, let's talk a bit about what, what the things are, because you mentioned pacemakers. Sure. So that's, that's something that, that we have that already we have a heart, right? So the pacemaker is making mm -hmm. it little better are there other examples of making something better and then are there examples of this is just completely new you can do something more than you oh, could yeah. with just enrollment oh yeah um any type of implanted medical device would fall into this category so you know and that's the stuff that everybody's already familiar with when we start stepping off of the reservation is when we when we talk about things like tesla's Neuralink you know, which is going to be a brain implant that will allow direct interface to a terminal. We've, there are things out there like uh, the Neurograin. This is a, a product that's still in development, but the intended purpose is it's an implant that will actually allow a human being to become part of a giant human-based Wi-Fi mesh network. Um, there are things out, you know, out there called, uh, the Willet, you know, these are, uh, Bluetooth compatible devices that are actually able to take power from the air. The big issue that we have when it comes to commercial grade implants, you know, to back to your original question about, you know, things that are new and, you know, and not very well known. We're still very limited because all of the, the current implant technology for the most part there's no clean power sources for commercial grade implants. Uh, the closest thing that we really have at this point is, and again, this is another one of those underground movements. It was a, a product called the peg leg. And if you want, if you or your, your subscribers want to check it out, the, uh, the website was pegleg.org. And what they would do is take a raspberry Pi zero W desolder everything off of it, take it down to the most minimalist form factor add a uh, rapid charging receivers to, for indirect power, encapsulating the entire thing, putting it in their leg, 
and then powering it with an external battery with rapid charge capabilities. You know, so I mean, that's that's really a lot where the problems come in. So in terms of new, like, for example, my my implants are predominantly around RFID and NFC capabilities. Uh, I have multiple different RFID chips that are I use when addressing physical access limitations or I'm trying to gain access to phys restricted physical locations with zero indications of compromise. Uh, NFC is, is an amazing tool, especially if we're doing mobile device attacks. Uh, we have the, the ability through Android to backdoor APK files and just basically add a pointer record to the NFC tag. And with the size of some of my implants, as you can see from you know the screen here, I'm sorry for if you guys are getting this on audio, but I have about a one and a half size. Uh, it's actually a little bit bigger than a silver dollar. You know, and that most of that implant, that's called a flex next. Uh, that one, the the range on that chip is actually enough to where I can actually hold a cell phone like you would normally hold any cell phone. And the antenna that's built into the chip is actually enough to read through the palm of my hand and actually trigger the NFC receiver on, on the cell phone. We can do anything with that. Um, the two attack vectors I, I debuted back at RSA, one was the backdoor APK allowing persistence through Metasploit. And the other attack was utilizing an infected uh, website that had been modified utilizing the beef suite. And all I needed to do was just set up a URL redirector on the chip, point the web browser, and I was able to hook the browser and go from there. But any of the NFC capabilities would be available. You so, Len, let, let's translate this for people that maybe they're not familiar with these terms in, mm -hmm. in, in infosecurity. A um, sure. couple of examples of real case study that everybody can understand. So what, what can you... Sure. How much uh, damage you, can you do? <laughs> I'll give you two, very, two quick examples. Okay. Uh, let's start with, like, a physical access. I mean... I personally, I, I find the fact that most companies within their their policies dictate that people keep their badge on a lanyard or on some kind of a belt, you know, retractor. I think this is just bad practice in, altogether. Those the tags that are contained inside those physical access cards are just like the chips that are in my hands. They're static. They require power from a reader to be able to be read. So someone like myself with a tool like a Proxmark or a Proxmark Chameleon, which are small RFID tools for if you're not familiar with them, I can palm one of these things in my hand while we're talking and I can click the button and I can scrape the data off of your tag. This isn't anything new. We've been, you know, card cloning attacks have been around for over a decade. What makes this attack different is there the, the lack of indications of compromise. In the old days, you'd need a you know a battery pack for your Proxmark. You'd have to have another key or a fob that you were going to actually write that data down to. And if you were you were actually discovered in a restricted location after a, a search, they'd be like, "Okay, this is how he got in." With me, the difference comes in is I can write those that scraped data back down to one of my implants. And if I'm discovered in one of your restricted areas, how is your security personnel going to be able to figure out how did he get in here? 
you know, there, that's the vector, you know, I'm not really doing anything different. I'm just using a different tool for the same purposes that we've done before, you know, it, you know, especially I've got, you know, in, in the talk that I've got coming up for sector, you know, I, I even say, you know, the, the attack itself, we're very familiar with the, the attack vector is something that's coming right off of the movie screen. So to that point, if you're a secure physical access security admin, how do you deal with somebody that just shows up inside of a data center, but they don't have a card, you know, hopefully you've got security cameras, but even with that, if you don't have some type of secondary authentication around your RFID access systems, if I just wave my hand across it, how are you going to know how I got in there and how are you going to be able to secure those locations? You know, yeah. the second wanna... example. Oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Second example. Second example. Uh, yeah. Second example, you know, for the NFC, pretty much every Android device out there, whether it's a cell phone, a tablet, they have the ability to read and write NFC natively. Uh, Apple, it's a little bit different, but right now Apple is being challenged over in Europe on the use of their NFC, the proprietary use of their NFC chip. So we don't know what's going to happen with Apple, but if they get to the point where they can do native reads and writes outside of a specific app, they'll be just as vulnerable as the Android devices. NFC has the ability to do very, very easy URL redirects. To Marco's point earlier in terms of how do I make this scary or understandable for, for everybody, if you have an Android phone that has NFC turned on and I was to be able to get my hands on it, I could make it appear like I'm making a phone call. And trust me, I can social engineer a situation where somebody's going to be good enough to let me get my hands on their phone. You know, it's not hard. You know, my kids are in trouble. My phone died. My wife got into an accident. My grandkids are hurt. Somebody out there is going to be like, oh, man, here, use my phone. The minute it gets in my hand, while it looks like I'm trying to remember what the phone number is, in the easiest example, you know, every Android device has a built-in browser. If I point, if I program the implant on my chip to point to a website that's infected with beef, which is the browser extension exploit framework, the minute that browser connects to that website, I'm already in that device before I even hand the device back to you. So these are the kinds of things that we need to be aware of. And, you know, at a very high level, you know, my capabilities are, are very simply NFC and RFID, like I said. But if we look at the enterprise use of these same types of protocols, IoT and automation use NFC a lot. And most of our physical access uh, restrictions are done via RFID. So I'm using the exact same protocols that the enterprises are using. So therein lies the concern and why we need to get this message out there and make sure other people aware that people like me even exist. The simple question is, if you're going to try and defend against somebody, you might actually need to know that somebody like me is real. <laughs> exactly. And one of the things I wanted to touch on, Lynn, is so it, I remember years and years ago when I was um, working on security products, actually building stuff at one point organizations their default answer when a, when an attack hit their email service was shut the email down right so the initial response here is well don't let that kind of person in but you pointed right. earlier 
who knows if somebody has a pacemaker, who knows if you have a chip, who knows if you have some other embeddable. And if, if one could identify it through some scanning device entering, is that the answer? Just keep those people out because there are well, positive my use opinion, cases, right? No, actually I'm one of the first people that I'm aware of that's actually come out and publicly said, Hey, these can be used for nefarious purposes. You know, there's a ton of different, commercial grade chip manufacturers out there. And if you go look on their website at their products, you know, they're geared for, you know, replacements of, of key fobs to get into garages or gyms. Um, if you have a Tesla, you know, there's an actually an implant out there. If you have a specific model Tesla that you can actually program the chip with the valet code off of, for your Tesla. So you never have to worry about not having your keys again. So there are legitimate use cases. Uh, there's a new chip that was just recently released over in, in Europe. It's called the wallet mall. And the purpose behind this chip is you tie your debit card to this implant and you can do tap to pay with an implant the same way you could with, uh, the Apple wallet or Android pay. So, I mean, there are many, many legitimate use cases for these, but just, you know, like Marco was saying earlier, any tool, I don't care what it is, can be used inappropriately or out of what its original justification and specifications were. So let, let's go back there then, because, you know, obviously people, I mean, we can bring a lot of things on the side of the good and a lot of things on the side of the bad, like everything in technology, right? It depends how you mm -hmm. use it and who is going to use it, right? So yeah, I mean, everybody can be there. Mimi Cats was originally meant to be an Active Directory auditing tool. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I mean, case in point, it's Mimi Cats is known by every Windows-based hacker out there. Yeah, but it started its life as an auditing tool for security. Yeah, and it goes back to, you know, that if you have superpower, let's say, or some kind of power, you can use it for good or for bad. You can be the hero, you can be the villain. So at the end of the day, what I want to go into is we can't and we want and we don't want to stop technology. You can't just say, well, don't open the email, don't use email, throw your phone yeah. away. That's not the solution, right? No, not at all. <laughs> so we need, we need to balance because it was, as I was saying, there is so many benefits. I mean, let's look at the easy thing to understand from a medical perspective. I mean, you, you, you use all these implants and I think they need to be welcome because in many situations, the risk, it's always less than the benefit that somebody that has a condition is gonna use it for. I mean, insulin pump, that's an easy to understand, a pacemaker, Absolutely. all of that. So but how do you see this being balanced except for, of course, using the news for, you know, clickbait and shit like that. <laughs> I mean, the, the truth. To be, honest, I think more, to be honest, I think we're going to see more and more of this. I really do. There's a, there's a couple of different chips that are out there. Most of them are actually over in Europe where people are actually putting their medical history on these in case of an accident. Doctors can see allergies, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> you know, and previous medical issues. Um, so I do think that what it eventually is going to take is the normalization of the concepts around implants, you know, and honestly, I think 
tools like the wallet more are going to help with that. You know, if right now, if you saw somebody walk up to a retailer and be like, I want to buy all these and they, they tap their hand on the payment pad, you know, there's going to be a lot of questions, you know, but we, we can say the same thing in regards to pretty much other, most other technologies that have gone out there. I mean, all three of us look like we've been, you know, we're over the age of 30, but uh, I mean, let's think back to the, you know, when we went from corded telephones to wireless to cell phones, you know, I mean, I remember back in the days of the flip phones and you know, like the original Nokia's where everybody's like, well, I don't want to use one of these things. It's going to give me radiation in the side of my head. And, you know, here we are, you know, 16 years later, you know, society, it's, it's almost impossible to interact, fully interact with society without a, smell, uh, a smartphone at this point in time. So take, take, take I, the stair, Lynn, because the, the next step. So we went from wired to wireless to inside. <laughs> yeah. So I, and what, talk, I, talk to me about the process. How, how, how does an implant go in? Uh, well, who does um, it? Who, is it, um, well, is it safe? Well, uh, does it break the warranty? <laughs> some of them are, if warranty you're as, as my as my child <laughs> uh some of them are are injectable you know that's true um i have two of the glass injectable ones they were actually the first two implants i ever got which is the next which is a combination low frequency high frequency uh, NFC and RFID. And uh, I have what's called a VivoKey uh, Spark. This is actually a cryptobionic chip that I actually use in combination with an application on my phone. And it actually is what I use to lock down my, my cryptocurrency wallet. So in order to get to my crypto wallet, you actually have to have one of my implants in order to open it. So uh that that's one area but it, it's it's difficult to say how do you get them put in personally i don't trust doctors don't trust them at all um i have had all of my implants done through a body modification shop that's located here in austin texas called shaman modification shout out to those guys great people um and you know, hats off to my 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 guy, pineapple. You know, so no, medically, I I, I it's kind of funny because I, I really don't have any issue with a large, a, like a big stocky tattooed guy cutting open my hand. But you know, the idea of a doctor doing it, I really don't trust. Um, the only time I've had in terms of is it safe? Uh, I think that's kind of a, a subjective answer. If you have pre-existing medical conditions, if you have, you know, it's like anything else. I think it's an, an individual choice. Um, I did have one issue with the one of my implants post-surgery, and that was the only time I've ever really had to interact with the medical profession because I, I got some fluid buildup underneath the skin because I didn't get on some uh, anti-inflammatories quick enough. And the minute I walked into my doctor, they were like, oh, my God, we need to get you into an emergency surgery. We got to get that out of there. And it was like, no, you don't. I just paid to put that in there. Just give me some, some prescription strength anti-inflammatories in a week and I'll be fine. And I was. Um, 
I think placement is a big thing. I think quality in what you're getting is a big thing. And I think having faith in a competent installer is also very, very important from a health perspective. So I'm, I'm picturing uh, an enterprise network. We have a team of IT professionals managing your infrastructure, Len. <laughs> and think first thing that comes to mind is, can you be hacked? Do you have to be yes. patched? <laughs> yes, I can, actually. Like I said, the, the tags that I have are all basically, they're, they're in a passive state, all unless they're actually being read by the reader, which is the big limitation. I mean, one of the things that you, you've brought up a couple of times over the concept of transhumanism, is, and this is one of the things that I've said that I, I just wanted to kind of key in on, you know, the definition is people looking to move beyond the limitations of the human body. You've brought up insulin pumps. You've brought up cardiac pacemakers. I don't really, by definition, they are an electronic subdermal implant, but I don't see that as really being part of the transhuman movement because those are actually addressing deficiencies of the human body from a reactive perspective. They don't give you anything new, you know, so when it comes to the implants that I have and others have, I mean, case in point, I do physical penetration testing and I actually have a, a biosensing magnet in the pinky of my, my uh, left hand. This, you know, it, it makes for a cool party trick. I can pick things up, but the whole point behind this is my ability to actually feel electromagnetic currents, you know? So does that count as a superpower? I can tell you where electrical wiring is. I can tell you where magnets are. And if you're a physical penetration tester and I'm outside of a warehouse that's using a magnetic electromagnetic lock, I know where the wiring is from the outside of the building and I know where to shim. Mm. So to me, things like that, things like being able to utilize my hand as part of a multi-factor authentication. To me, that's more what transhumanism is about as opposed to addressing some type of, of deficiency of an organ or something along those lines. Right. Extension no, I, I, of, the, of the hands in the sense, the touch yes. sense. Yeah. yeah, which is, I, I love the fact that you went there because this is where I was thinking, you know, maybe I said we will talk about people that actually do bionic arms and legs because they need it. And but but mm -hmm. with that distinction that you just made, I think we we can go back to to that definition and that vision of really keep improving who we are as humans through our brain, inventing new things and extending the things that we can do. So I don't know, in a simple way is, you know, why did we need a car, you know, like instead of a faster horse? Well, because uh, we had the technology to do that. And now we can go from point A to point B much faster. So mm -hmm. I, I, I think that if people accept the fact that the things that we create are still part of the humanity, because who else is creating technology? I mean, nowadays... We just look at technology. Yeah, we like can talk just, about AI, but yeah, but but, but, but I have a question from the sky, right? Didn't yeah, but let me ask sky. let me ask both of you a question. Sure. You know, you know what makes a human? You know, I mean that's that's a question that I got asked not too long ago. What makes a human? I, I mean, and we're talking about you know artificial intelligence. We've talked, you know, there's been discussions. You know, one of the questions I was asked recently is: Is transhumanism 
a stopgap or a push towards immortality? I don't necessarily think so. You know, I'm open to debate the idea with other people, you know, but in my opinion, no. You know, is what makes us human? Is it our brain? Because if we can download that into a an artificial intelligence, I mean, I want to say, I think it's Google that actually has the bust of the woman that's tied to the AI that you can have fully interactive conversations with. You know, I don't really see a a designation or a a demarcation between me and what my implants do. For me, it's just this is all me. So I guess I kind of see that line as a little blurred about, you know, pushing the limits of humanity because I'm still human. And yes, these can be removed. But realistically, if I had gangrene or or I was in some type of an industrial action, to your point, we can now remove a hand or we can remove a limb. We can we can create a better quality of life for people who have been either disfigured or were born disfigured. But does that make them any less human? I don't think so. The question I have, and, and I think human is what we have in our own minds, right? So in today's age, we are the humans. And now I see you as a human with other things in you. And the -hmm. question I have is who gets to define human i think that is it us or is it a a government is it i hope not i hope not (laughs) was it it, everything seems to boil down to money right who who can make money and health care providers might or insurers or more likely might say you're not human we're not going to cover you you know that kind of thing that's why i'm wondering who who gets to make the definition well where does it who has to uh, abide by that definition. To your point, that's one of the reasons, big reasons why I did this talk in the first place. You know, we've heard a lot about, you know, the nefarious things that somebody might do if they're implanted, you know, but does that mean that everybody that gets an implant is a black hat or a gray hat or is some kind of hacker? No, not at all. You know, I, I know there are at least three other individuals who I'm not going to say their names that work for pen testing companies that have implants and they use that as part of their red team exercises. But my fear is as more and more people move to adopting this type of technology, I don't want decisions being made out of fear or out of lack of knowledge, you know, to, you know, to say that somebody with an implant is an inherent threat just because they have an implant is like saying, in my opinion, saying anybody that owns a car is a potential vehicular manslaughter suspect. It just hasn't happened yet. You know, so I, the fact that we can get this information out there that not everybody that is going to use, get an implant is going to be using it for nefarious things. Maybe they're just using it to get into their gym because they're tired of having 900 tags on their, on their keychain. You know, people, you know, and, and to the the points that you were just making, I'm no different than anybody else at, at my, DNA, my DNA levels. You know, it's all a matter of I just decided I didn't want to have to carry around a bunch of tools to do my job. So I stuck them inside my body. But and it doesn't change find my the middle finger. That I am. That's the app I want. Find yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to try that one. But I mean, 
trying to, to stop people from seeing the difference between me as a person and me as a transhuman or a, a cyborg. I mean, I've been told everything from I've, ha- I've got the mark of the beast. I've been asked if these are the same chips that people put in their, their cats and dogs. I even had somebody t- ask me after the fact that if this was a result of the vaccine, I'm like, you know, it's like, you know, if, so- if they're going to try and chip me with, a, with the vaccine, good luck. I'm running out of room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the answer to the question about humanity is it's like asking the meaning of life. I mean, the point is, it is. everything is making us human and is not. And if we start looking at the, the way that our brain works from, you know, an, ele- an electric impulse level and, and we don't have a soul. I mean, we love to think that we have a soul and then lives after our death and maybe we go in another body. I mean, we kind of need that at a human level because it gives us hope for, for future. That's what religions are based on pretty much. But at the end of the day, we need to accept, I think, the fact that I, I personally think that human is everything that humans do. Sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good. So I, that's exactly what makes us human. You know, think, act, foresee the action that maybe some animals can't do. They just, like, are driven by specific needs so using using a phone doesn't make us not not human having an ear piercing doesn't make us not human riding a horse doesn't make us not human yeah having a chip so why should this doesn't make us not human. yeah and we, we tried to talk a few times about you know digital immortality you know you mentioned transfer your brain are you are you still you if you're in a in a computer yeah. instead of a computer being inside you and then if yeah. the electricity goes out you're done. <laughs> right? Yeah, until you reboot. <laughs> well, this is this is an incredible conversation. I, I again, I hope it's going to make people think and and wanted to learn a little bit more about all of these things. And uh, uh, it's, it's a fascinating. It's yourself thinking conversation. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And that's what I wanted most. You know, I don't expect there to be. Uh, a new rash of transhumans after they they listen to you know a podcast with me or or they watch one of my my presentations. But what my hopes are is that maybe the the first time they actually run into somebody who is a chipped per individual, it's not going to be that immediate. Oh my God, you're a freak. You're 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 wrong. Maybe it'll just be like, eh, okay, it's different. It, it's not for me. But good on you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's, that's all I can hope for. And, that, and that's a big hope because that will resolve a lot of problem in our society where everything that is different is, is weird. If it's not black and, and white, it's gray and people will just freak out because they can't oh, yeah. handle gray, right? So Nobody can handle gray. <laughs> it's in between. Like, tell, me, tell me how to vote. Tell me how to think. And, uh, and then there is everything in between. So, yeah, I mean, this conversation, as Sean and I always said, they're not meant to have answers. They're meant to, to have a lot of questions and, again, make people think. And, and I think that getting your perspective for someone that is not just thinking about it, but actually living this. Yeah, I love it. Uh, it, it oh, it's yeah. so much more meaningful for, for me. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. I'm yeah. glad you guys find the topic interesting. To me, it's just the next step of, of evolution. If, and by that, I don't mean in, of humanity. I mean of my own personal being, 
you know, I started out getting tattoos and, and body piercings and scarifications. And I got into doing flesh hook suspensions. And, you know, when I, then it was like, you mean I can put, you mean I can put a microchip in my hand? Where do I sign up? <laughs> sure. <laughs> that sounds easy. <laughs> you know, so uh, I'll throw this out there. I mean, I'm not trying to steal any thunder from y'all, but you know, I'm doing a, a presentation next week in uh, for one of the DEF CON chapters in Newcastle, UK, that these guys really wanted to go down a different path. They they wanted to talk about the installation processes, they wanted this, they wanted the, the blood and the gore, they wanted to see the actual implants going in. So I am going to be doing that next week. Uh, it's a free event. Tickets are available on Eventbrite. So if you search for Lenno Biohacker, and uh, let me get you the the chapter real quick, just to just so that I can I can make sure everybody can see it if you want to. Uh, but I want to say it's DC four. Uh, back up one. Uh, DC four four one nine one. And it's a free event. It's not going to be the same presentation that I'm going to be doing at Sector. Sector is going to be around the attack vectors. This is going to be more around, you know, how do you become a transhuman? Mm -hmm. So if any of your, your listeners or if you got, you both are more than welcome, please join. You know, but it, I would definitely say this is not for anybody with a, a weak stomach. Um, it, it gets pretty graphic. I'll, I'll probably but, pass on that. But, <laughs> but I mean, if, if people are interested in yeah. how do you become a cyborg, this is yeah. this is the talk for it. And, and please, uh, I know we're already planning some other conversation and we would love to have you back. But uh, on the podcast note, there are going to be resources. So if you if you have a couple of good reads for people that really want to learn about the, the basic, the beginning of what, you know, the transhumanism is and, and all of this, please feel free to share it. And, and the people who listen to these and wanted to learn more, keep an open mind, and then you decide um, the way you want to read this. In the yeah. end, we're not we're not telling anybody what to do or how to think no, i'm not going to tell mark what job. to do i'm just going to sign him up for that you do that all the time bro <laughs> <laughs> uh, if i if i may you guys just hit on one of the last points that i really was hoping that we might be able to have a quick conversation about and that's regulations you know okay. in terms of the u.s there is absolutely zero federal regulations at all uh, there's been numerous, a couple of states here within the U.S., believe it or not, that actually tried to force mandatory microchipping of their employees for time rec recording and personnel. That got shut down by the courts. And then there are, I believe, two or three states that actually have uh, completely outlawed human microchip implants. But aside from that, there is no nothing at a federal level here within the states and there's nothing really across the board in terms of federal equivalency in Europe. The only real laws around microchipping at this point are you cannot mandate your employees to, to be forced to in, have a microchip injected in. None of this stuff is regulated by the, uh, the uh, FDA. So we are out here on our own limb. You know, but I am a firm believer that, you know, this is my body. I can do whatever I want with it, you know, as long as I'm not breaking any laws. And that was a big thing. 
that I want to just point out is there is nothing against the law. There's nothing illegal in regards to what I have done, you know, and, you know, as both of you said, it, you know, I, I will definitely get, get you guys a couple of really good articles that you can tag to this, you know, in terms of the beginning of the biohacker transhuman movement and a couple of the major, we've only had two or three real big milestones since 1957. Uh, and I really think the next two to three years are, are going to do a lot and I think the more that we see people, like I said, in Europe, utilizing implants for payment processes, people are going to eventually become desensitized to this. And it's just going to become the same as, you know, picking up your phone and doing your, you know, moving money around in your bank on a smart app. Yeah. Interesting. So there, there'll be some big event around the corner that quote unquote normalizes. <laughs> being yeah. human in this way <laughs> try, try try to walk around you know with your hands near your ears like in the 40s or 30s and i'm not even going to go in the middle age because that will be really weird but you know even back then and now you know now that's normal so yeah, yeah I, I mean there, there's been there's been discussions about possibly doing microchips in alzheimer's patients in sex offenders different you know states have looked at different ways of utilizing these technologies you know but to that point, I, I don't think that anybody should be force mandated to get any type of implant, period. You know, I think it's a personal choice, just like, you know, with getting a tattoo or a body piercing or even, you know, personal medical decisions. I don't think that there should be any mandates about anybody's individual person. But I mean, if you if you're one of those types of people like myself that go, wow, this is really cool stuff, you know. For example, I actually put a, an RFID door strike on my office. So in, rather than having a key to get in, I just scan my hand and walk into my office. There are legitimate normal use cases. But, you know, again, tools can be used in multiple ways. And I just love the fact that we're starting to get this message out there and we're going to be able to get people to understand this doesn't make me any different than anybody else. You know, to me, it's more like just talent you know, or equatable to talent. You know, some people can play a violin. I can't. Get your chip to do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, just is, think about uh, it. I mean, it's super cool. Yep. Imagine when we get to the point where we can, act, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, the brain implants from like the Neuralink, but and what are we going to do when we get to the point where we can upload data of knowledge like they did in the matrix? Oh, I want to learn Kung Fu. Okay, I know Kung Fu. You know, the, the, the information is there. It's just how do we disseminate it and get it into our consciousness in such a way that we can use it. And, and that could be the question for crazy. the next conversation, man. That'll great. be an so. entire big 45 minutes podcast <laughs> again. So, uh Sean, I, I got a lot yeah. to think. So uh, I, love need, this. I, to, I love this. We need it's to close this. Uh, certainly opened my mind and hopefully our readers are thinking readers back to the old print uh, pub days. <laughs> our listeners are uh, thinking about this as well uh, lots of questions lots of cool stuff we need to have our eyes open on, on these things so we, we understand and, uh, and act accordingly and that's like, all I could ask yeah Love it. Thanks, I Mike. just wanted Appreciate to thank it. Thank you guys both very much for the opportunity. Hopefully we'll get a chance to do it again sometime real soon. Certainly.
Jeremy. I'm, I'm excited about it. So stay tuned, everybody. There'll be more. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Technology Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.